Can changing your corner of the universe change the world? We think so. You've heard the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. But what does that look like? This is where we meet the people that are walking that out. One person, one idea, one decision at a time. Here's Baden and Rex. All right. Welcome back to another episode of My Corner Universe. Today, we had the pleasure of interviewing Gret Glyer from DonorSea. He created an app that allows people to be able to donate to all these little uh, micro causes, if you will. Basically, instead of donating to one giant fund, you know, like a, hey, we're raising uh, $10,000 for the school. He His app is basically capped it off to where you have little tiny things that or $500 or less, like let's say someone needs surgery on their eye or uh, they need funding to repair a roof or whatever it may be, um, it's all right there. And it's really just creating a new way for people to uh, donate and also get feedback directly from the people that you're donating to. Yeah, it's a revolutionary way of moving charity and getting donations. I think that this is the future of donations, at least on the lower level. I mean, yeah. We talk about it in the podcast about why he chose to go LLC and not nonprofit. So, but you know, so you would instantly be like, oh, there's no tax deduction, but there are options of that. But this is really about the lower level donations. You know, it's not about trying to donate, you know, not everyone might have the means to donate $10,000 to an organization. This is your average guy or gal that wants to just open up this app, see something going on where uh, someone needs hernia surgery or a kid needs um, tuition fees for their school and you can just give 20 bucks and just do it instantly from your phone. I mean, when you're giving 20 bucks, you're not worried about a tax donation, Um, but just a a revolution. I honestly, I mentioned the podcast. I think everyone should download the app right now so you can be flicking through it as we're talking about Donorsee and that's D-O-N-O-R-S-E-E. Just download the app and scroll around it so you can get a full complex of what we're talking about. It's an incredible app and totally yeah. revolutionizing the charity world. And like you said in the interview, it's addicting. Like you can look at it with your kids and you can kind of teach your kids about how, you know, where we're at, we're very lucky and blessed and how we can pass that blessing on to other people in different parts of the world. And you'll get a video back in a couple of days. Once their project's been funded, you're going to get a video or pictures back from, you know, what, how it's impacted those people. So like your kids can make the connection real easy. And um, like you said, you know, you're going through, you're like, Oh, I want to give five bucks to these guys, 20 bucks to these guys, whatever it is. And uh, you know, it's way better than scrolling through Facebook. I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure. Much more beneficial, much more healthy for you. And I love what you just talked about there, Rex. I mean, minimum donation is a dollar, like yeah. a dollar, go through with your kids, you know? And, yeah. and if you find it like, Tom Wood, so Gret was on Tom Wood's show. That's how we heard about him. And Tom had mentioned that of how he sat down with his kids and found a project um, of, of that helped somebody within each age of his girls. And so they said, hey, look, you want to help out this person? Here's a, here's a dollar. Here's a dollar here. Two dollars there. It's a, it's a fun. It's a great teaching moment. It helps out. It's just beneficial in all aspects. Yeah. So enjoy, enjoy the episode and definitely reach out to Gret. He seems like he's extremely approachable. And then if you like the episode, make sure to share it. Awesome. Yep. Go ahead. Enjoy. And also don't forget to subscribe to mycorneroftheuniverse.com so you can keep hearing multiple uh, episodes that we have. All right. Welcome back to another episode of My Corner of the Universe. Today, I am super excited because we have a really special guest, Gret Glyer, on the podcast. And I learned about Gret uh, a couple years ago from the Tom Woods show. I'm a huge Tom Woods fan and 
Um, he went on there and ever since then I've been stoked on everything you've been doing. So I've been following you using the donor seat app. Um, why don't you just kind of jump into it and tell us a little bit how, um, that kind of came to be maybe a little bit of your background so people can kind of catch up and we'll just jump in from there. Sounds good. So when I was, uh, I'm 29 now when I was, when I graduated from college, I spent a year working at a corporate job and, uh, you know, at the time I had never traveled very much, but I just being in that corporate job made me realize, okay, I want to kind of, I want to do something. I want to, I want to have some adventure early on in my life. So I kind of compulsively moved to Malawi, Africa, which back in 2013, (laughs) that was ranked as the poorest country in the world. I spent three years living there. I was originally, it was going to be like a one year thing. I was like, I'm going to go there for a year and then I'm going to leave and that'll be my year of adventure. And then I'll get plugged back into the corporate world. Um, cause I was pretty good at what I was doing in there and I, in, in business and so forth. But, um, I really enjoyed living over there and I really enjoyed the people over there. Um, but I was also just shocked by the level of poverty. I, it was like, live, it was like going to a different planet. It was so bad. I don't know what else to tell us to describe it, but, but the people, when you, you hear of these people who live on a dollar a day and you don't know how to conceptualize that but when it's right in front of you you're like oh that's this is what i've heard about this is like that level of poverty so so that's what uh compelled me to kind of stick around in malawi for another couple years and then i did a bunch of cool stuff while i was over there in terms of poverty alleviation um the the third year the last year i was there i crowdfunded uh you know along with the people there i crowdfunded a hundred thousand dollars to build a girls' school there. That's that girls' school is run by um, a Malawian named Tia, and she does an awesome job running it. So there's at the uh, our first year there were 120 girls who attended that school, and now there's over 300. But um, I, I really was obsessed with this idea of helping of bringing awareness about what I was seeing in Malawi to the rest of the world. And so that's what started my organization, DonorC. That's the backstory. So DonorC is a way for pe- for donors to see where their money goes when they donate. So if you donate uh, money to a girl who needs hearing aids, a few days later, you'll get a video of her hearing for the first time. If you donate money to a widow who needs a house, over the next few weeks, you'll get videos of the construction of the house and of the widow moving into the house. And so it's really just a way to close the loop for donors who are, who are used to giving and not really knowing what happens with their money. It closes the loop so that they get to see. And um, yeah, we've been running DonorC for three years and growing it. And um, I think July, we had our biggest month, except that uh, this past, this most recent July was our biggest month, which was really exciting. But then August beat July and now September is, is like on track to crush August. So um, wow, we're in a really awesome. cool spot. Yeah, we're, we're really thrilled with how things are going. Um, why Malawi? How did you pick Malawi? That seems like, uh, do you throw yeah. a dart at a map? And- <laughs> I mean, basically, it, it might as well have been that because I was, um, you know, it's, it's not like you can just uh, go to any country that you want. You have to have some kind of opportunity. And so I spent six months looking for different opportunities to go overseas. And um, none of them were quite a good fit. And then I was at this I was at this, uh, I guess I was at a bachelor party and one of the other groomsmen who I'd never met before, he was going to Malawi. He was going to be a teacher there. And uh, he told me about it. And then I, I basically applied. And a month after meeting him and learning about this trip, I was on a plane to Malawi. So wow. it was just like a good fit. It just kind of like fell into my lap. So um, it just happened basically. Amazing. Um, and then so you helped crowdfund. Then did the, how did the, just the 
genesis of the idea of donor C kind of take place? Because it's way different than anything else that's out there that I've seen in any way. I mean, yeah, crowdfunding, you can kind of, you know, uh, participate in the process more so than just, you know, donating the, the way that, you know, maybe some of us grew up with. But um, donor C, you really get that feedback that is different than, uh, you know, anything else that I've seen. So how did that all kind of conceptualize and come together? Well, so yeah, like I said earlier, I like was shocked by the level of poverty and my reaction was this, like when I first learned about it, like I remember the, the first time I, I was really exposed to it was when I was, it was a few months after I'd been in Malawi and I, someone basically said, you need to see this. And they took me into this remote village and I met this lady named Rosina and she hadn't eaten in a week. She was like 70 years old. Her house was falling apart. She had like basketball sized holes in her roof and it was she was, she was, I mean, she was starving to death. She was really, um, just really did not look at, and I'd never seen someone like actually starving to death. Like that had, that's not something I'd ever seen before. And if I'd seen it been like on TV, like from a distance, you know, there's like a, it, it didn't feel real, but this was like right in front of me. She was like a living and breathing human right in front of me. And I felt like, okay, this is crazy that this exists here in uh, the 21st century. I can't believe it. Like I've got my iPhone in my pocket and then there's this human starving in front of me. Um, because she, because like, that's the condition of her and also like a billion other people on the planet. So I, um, when I was exposed to that, I said, okay, how can I, like, what can I do to create more awareness about this? My friends at home, you know, I, I feel like they should know about it at least. So I started writing blog posts and I started making videos and, um, none of it really worked that well. Like none of it really, there was no like light bulb moment when I did that stuff. But when I, created these mini crowdfund crowdfunding campaigns uh that that was like what helped make it click for people like they were able to give like ten dollars and they were able to see that their ten dollars massively changed someone's life and seeing that because it was like their own money and they were watching it happen before their very eyes like they were seeing someone get really excited and because like their life was saved because a hundred dollars was donated to them um that was, that was like the light bulb moment from people. And so I saw that, I saw the reaction that people were having and I was like, okay, I, this is like what I, I need to keep focusing on. I need, I need to keep working on this. Okay. Yeah. And awesome. Greg, did you feel like there was a big transition um, recently? And I know you kind of talked about it before, but sometimes when we look at donations, things get too big, like save the rainforest. You made a strategic decision in your business to go the opposite route, to go very narrow. Can you talk a little bit about what that decision was to make it so you have smaller donations and how that's impacted exactly that relationship that you said of people giving and seeing a direct result and how that's benefited donors. Yeah. So that's a good question. So, and, and I, I totally get where you're coming from with like, sometimes it's just too big. Like every time there's a big hurricane, it's like, okay, $300 million is donated, but then, and you donate it cause you feel, you know, this, like I want to help, but then it's, you know, a, a few months later, you're like, wait a second, like what, $300 million? Like, what did that go to? And you never find out. So anyways, um, I, the, what we did with Donorcy, and you know, this is just how we, there's a lot of awesome organizations doing awesome work, but the, what we chose to do um, about a year ago, I guess, was we put a cap on all of our projects. So we used to allow, you know, you could raise $10,000 to build a well, you could raise $40,000 to build um, an orphanage or something like that, um, or a classroom building. But we put a cap of $500 on every project so that when, uh, whenever you give, any time that you're giving on DonorSeat, you're giving specifically to a person. And uh, we chose to do that just because um, 
we looked at the we, we looked at, we looked at what we were best able like what was our position to serve our community the best um and what we realized is there's not really anywhere else where you can give to these super personalized projects that doesn't exist anywhere else and so uh donor sees a platform where you can make that happen and um yeah and we basically just said okay like there's lots of people fundraising for large stuff but for us you can change someone's life for for like something for very, very small amounts of money. And we want to show that as much as possible. And so that's why we chose to cap our pro- all of our projects at $500. So anytime you give on donor seat, you're giving to a person and you're seeing that person's life transform. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad that you, I'm glad you brought up the um, hurricane example too, because if you, if you can, I'd love for you to tell the story of Hurricane Matthew, the work you did in Haiti. And what I really want people to understand listening to the podcast is how, how fast, things can work with donor C and how efficient it can be when you look at these lower, lower level goals and the personal, personal ability of giving through donor C um, through that example that you guys did with Hurricane Matthew. Yeah. So let's see, that was like right when we launched and uh, it was, I guess it was almost, it was a, a little after a month after we launched, uh, we got word that there was this massive hurricane um, just below us. I was in Virginia at the time and I, uh, we got word that there was this like massive hurricane that was hitting Haiti and Haiti's already had like enough trouble with like the earthquake and with cor- the, the corruption in their government. I mean, they, like they really have had, um, it, it's just, it's crazy because we, when I flew down there, it took, uh, it was a 90 minute flight from Florida to Haiti. And it was like, I was in Africa all of a sudden. It was like I was on the other side of the, of the planet because the, the poverty there was just so I mean, it was, it was excruciatingly bad. And I just couldn't believe it. It was a 90 minute flight from, from Florida to Haiti. And it was just like, all of a sudden it's like, like really, really destitute poverty. So anyways, what I, what we, what happened with hurricane uh, Matthew is um, we got word that it was down there and we said, all right, let's book a ticket. I'm, I'm, I personally booked a ticket. I took my uh, iPhone with me and I had my donor C app and I personally went down there to fundraise to, to provide disaster relief. And we got down there, we rented a car, we went deep into the, um, to the disaster zone and we, we got there before, like we were in the area with like trees that had been leveled. Um, there were just roofs that were upside down. It was, you know, it was a really bad situation. And we were the first ones there, like me hopping on the plane with my iPhone, I beat, in like renting a car. Uh, I beat like any of these other super large organizations like the Clinton Foundation or the Red Cross or any of these other. So that was, that was crazy to see. I mean, that was, it was eye opening, And also, I mean, I'd, I'd done enough by that point to know that it wasn't that surprising, unfortunately. Um, and we got there and the people were just, um, they were in bad shape. Um, and, and they were working together, but it was like, it was like their entire infrastructure had just been leveled. It looked like a bulldozer. Like, like a line of bulldozers had come through and just wrecked their society. So what, so what we were able to do, one of the biggest uh, problems that happens uh, in, in this kind of situation right after a hurricane is you have to be very careful of cholera because um, there's uh, the, the running water. I mean, there's no running water. And so uh, there's just water everywhere and there's disease in that water. And so um, one of the big things that we did was we provided a filtration system so that people could drink clean water immediately after the hurricane so that they can at least get through that, that, that season of time until the water subsides and they, they can get access to clean water again. Um, so that was one of a few things we did. I mean, hygiene 
And um, just like a, a ration of food goes a really long way in a post-hurricane situation. Awesome. Um, one of the things that, um, you know, comes up for me when I, when I see, you know, the organization that you put together is uh, a lot of times uh, I think people are wary to kind of give because they don't know where their dollar is going to go. A lot of times they're held up in administration fees and, you know, you might get a couple pennies on the dollar that actually hit, you know, the people in need. How, how does the, the transparency side of, side of things work with donor C? Well, we try and be as upfront as possible. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, I, uh, I'm actually like pro administration fees. I think it's a good, uh, like you can't run a charity for free. And ultimately, like if you want to just send money to people, um, there's, you know, there's, uh, Western Union, like you can just do that. Right. Um, but like the idea behind a charity is is that you're trying to take a certain amount of money and then have uh, an even bigger impact from that money. So that requires some amount of administration. So I'm like a fan of of administration fees, and I know that like Charity Water and Kiva, they say that they have a zero percent administration fee. Um, really, like they have like a twenty one percent. Uh, organizational fee, but they just kind of divvy up the money. So some people are giving to organizational fees, some people are giving to the to the program, and uh, so yeah, it's I'm I'm just kind of a I, and that's fine. That's a fine model, and and I'm it's great that people are able to do that. Um, the, what we do with Donorcy is uh, what we have a um, on average per donation. There's about thirteen percent that goes to our organization. None of that goes to my salary. I raise my salary completely outside of the organization. So not a single penny is going to like my benefits or my salary or anything like that. But that money is used for marketing purposes and it's used so that we can have, we can host like a lot of video content on our, on our platform. Um, and it's used so that we can, um, have actually like more transparency and more accountability. And so, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm personally like a big fan of organizational fees. I, th- I, I think that, um, you don't want a large percentage to go to it. You don't, you don't want that to be like the majority of your money, but really what you want to look at is if I give a hundred dollars, what's the, the impact to the other person's life, to right. the people in need. Mm-hmm. And, um, you want that impact to be three times or four times as big. And, um, you're not gonna, if you just directly send money to people, there's kind of some unhealthy situations, but really what you're trying to do is you're trying to give that money through a healthy relationship. And, um, that's sometimes what the extra organizational stuff goes through. So I'm usually a big fan of it. And it's just, uh, it's just a matter of whether or not it's being stewarded well. Well, and so you're, you know, before you even started Donorcy, you had kind of done some crowdfunding slash nonprofit. So you, you kind of had a little bit of a foundation. And so at that point you decided, Hey, instead of creating a nonprofit, you guys created an LLC. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually had a, fi- I still run a 501c3 that's like kind of separate. And I, I ran a 501c3 before I started Donor C. And, um, you know, it's there, I see both sides of the issue. Um, I try and be like as open minded as possible. And I think people should kind of like go with what they think is best for their specific situation. For Donor C, uh, one of my big, uh, one of the big motivators for making Donor C an LOC is we want Donor C to be a sustainable organization. We want it to last a long time and not be dependent on handouts year after year after year. And um, uh, very few charities have that aspiration. A lot of charities, they, they kind of, they try and run on this model where they basically network with a bunch of millionaire donors and then they try and get their millionaire donors to make sure they keep up those relationships so that they can keep operating. Um, and, there's a book, there's a really good book by Peter Greer called Mission Drift, which kind of says that like after 50 years, 
most organizations, uh, they, they, after small compromise, after small compromise, they start to kind of get away from the original mission and heart behind why the organization started. I don't want that to happen to Donorsy. I want Donorsy to last a long time. I want it to help a lot of people and I want it to be sustainable. I want it to be, uh, I don't want it to be dependent on, on a large network of millionaire donors. I want it to be just dependent on, um, a, a humongous network of on the ground vetted partners who we're all kind of working uh, together. And, you know, if one, if there's one partner who's not able to continue their work, we still have a, a giant network that's, that's continuing to push the momentum forward. So the other reason I think I, I started as an LLC is this idea. I was really compelled by like Uber and Airbnb and these other in eBay and these other two sided marketplaces because one of the things that you see with them is as, so we'll take eBay as an example. There's, there was a time when there were like 17 products you could buy on eBay total. And <laughs> That was, you know, that was like when they first started and it, eBay wasn't a very good site at the time when, when that was the case. But as more products came onto the site and as more feedback was offered by buyers, more buyers would come and then more sellers would come and so forth. And it created this virtuous cycle where eBay got better and better and better the bigger that it got. And you don't see that with a lot of charities. Most charities, the bigger that they get, the more uh, just organizational hierarchy that they have. But with donor we're trying to create it so that the bigger it gets, the better it gets. But like, we want donor to be as big as possible because the more donors that we have and the more partners that we have, uh, the better the projects will be, the more compelling the projects will be, the better the follow-ups will be. So we're trying to create this virtuous cycle. And I think we are, like we're already seeing it um, where the projects just get better and better and better over time. And did I hear you correct? You said you don't take a salary from donor yeah, I have a Patreon where I kind of I fundraise that separately and it like the everything that I earn from the Patreon which is not much is on is like visible and trans, like you can just see it. You can see gotcha. what I get from it. So, yeah, I don't personally take a salary. That's something and it's you know, if someone wants to take a salary, that I'm fine with that. I I don't right. have a problem with that, but if people want to know, but I I think I just wanted to to be as transparent as possible and also signal to people, listen, I really care about like what we're doing. I care about the people who are on the other side of the world so much so that I'm like removing, like if this is like going to be a hangup for you, it's like, I'm just removing myself from the equation. I'm doing this um, because I really, really care about the mission. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. I think everyone who's listening to the podcast right now should stop what they're doing and download the app yeah. because there, it's not only is it a beautifully designed app, but the, the fundraisers are incredible. I mean, it's anything from, you know, hernia, hernia repair surgeries for some people, dentistry, um, female sanitation pads, school fees for kids. I mean, this is this low level financing, I think, is 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 incredibly impactful because of that ability to see exactly who you're helping out with. Um, is there a minimum on these on these apps for donating? One dollar. You have to donate at least one okay. dollar. <laughs> so, so it's as simple as that. I mean, it's an addicting app. You can go through this. And, and you listen to the videos, each, each, um, I don't know if you call it a, a goal or each, um, campaign project. or whatever they yeah. have a project. Yeah. They have a video and you can watch these videos and literally it's, you can go through, you can give a five bucks to this one, 10 bucks to this one. Um, and I think I'm, I'm guessing here, correct me if I'm wrong, the ease of like you're talking about of it being the LLC versus the nonprofit just makes it so easy to get those funds in and distribute them to people instantly. Yeah, and one of the things that we did uh, a few months ago is we actually created what what I've deemed I've called it a hybrid model. So some of our partners are five hundred one c three organizations, and so when you give to those partners, uh, you have to 
you have to be on the donorship website to see which partner is tax deductible and which one is not. But when you get to those partners, you get that 100% tax deduction on your donation to those projects. So you, so in, in both cases, like the L, because we're an LLC, we're able to get the funds directly to the people in need. Um, but there are situations where, where we're able to do that and provide a tax deduction. So, um, yeah, we're just, I mean, I'm, I'm very pumped about what we're doing cause we get better and better and better. And I, I want to throw one more thing at you. Uh, if, if you're looking at the website right now and, or you're looking at the app and you're looking at the different projects, every single project that is on there is hand selected by someone who is on the ground and have and has a lot of experience in their specific look. Like if you're going to try and do aid or relief or development work in Malawi, it's going to be very different than if you're doing it in Ghana or India or hmm. the Philippines. It's, and even within the Philippines, there's going to be like different uh, locations within the Philippines. You know, the world is a humongous place and there's different sensitivities that you have to be careful of. But every single project that's on DonorSea is hand selected by on the ground people who really understand like the cultural sensitivities and the things that you need to watch out for and be careful of. Because in a lot of cases, you have to worry about things like fraud and you have to worry about things like creating dependency because you're just handing out, um, you know, f- surgeries or whatever it is. And so these people are, are experts at helping well within their specific context. And then on top of that, they're bringing you like these super compelling projects that are um, where, you, where you can help people in a very either sustainable or urgent way. Talk about how yeah, that's you awesome. find them, awesome. that process of like, or do they find you? If someone's listening to this and they have a nonprofit and they're like, gosh, I want, I want to be part of this platform, what does that look like? Well, we love working with our partners. Our partners are basically like the lifeblood of what we do. Um, with that said, so basically what happens is someone comes to the website and they see that they can apply and that they would apply through to work with us. I mean, one of the things is we have a super high standard. So um, of the organizations that apply to work with us, we have to turn down more than 90% of them. Like of the ones that actually like fill out an application, more than 90% get turned down. Wow. And that's a lot, you know, there's a lot of organizations doing really good work and it's just not a good fit for, for donors. And that's fine. You know, sometimes things just don't work out. So a lot of times that's what it is. But yeah, we have very high standards. We only want to work with like the most trustworthy, highly vetted, highly respectable people that you can work with. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, there's a high vetting process and often the partnership, like going through the application takes a few months just, just so that we can like do the interviews and the reference checks and all that stuff and make sure that everyone is um, up to par. But yeah, we, I mean, it's a highly, every single person we partner with is highly vetted. And uh, currently, I mean, do you kind of have any of those stats of like how many partners that you have or anything like that? How many projects you've funded? Yeah. So we've raised over, um, we've raised over a million dollars, uh, for people who in extreme poverty, um, the, the number of partners we've had up to over 200, like we've had over 200. Um, we don't, they're not all presently active, but, and we've also been in, in 50 countries, uh, but I think there's, it's, it's like about 10 countries that we really do like 80% of the work. And then there's, um, there's, cause there's, we have a ton of partners in Tanzania, a ton in Malawi, um, a ton in several different countries. And so, um, it just depends, but really what we're looking for is like, who is, who is like the best, most trustworthy person who's doing the most awesome. And these people are doing awesome work. I just interviewed a guy that I guess he'll, he'll, uh, he's on my YouTube channel now and he'll be on my podcast maybe today or tomorrow, but he's a guy who, um, if you've heard of like the, the lost boys of Sudan, the, the all of the, the boys who had to like walk, mm-hmm. just like they had to walk like by themselves for like a year to escape their war zone. He was kind Whoa. of part of that refugee 
migration. And um, I mean, just the scariest, I interviewed him, but he's been one of our partners for over a year and he's on the ground in Sudan. They're in the middle of a civil war right now. And he's just like posting projects about um, the people that he's around and, and everything is vetted through, through his organization. So um, we just have, I mean, the, the, the stuff that people are working on is just incredible. I'm just such a huge fan of, of the, the work that our partners are doing. Can you talk a little bit about how the the funding portion, I mean, this kind of just jumped in my head when you described that story. So take this gentleman in uh, Sudan. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone sees one of the projects he posts. They say, oh, I want to give $50 to this guy. And are we talking, does he get that like the next day, an hour, this like 10 minutes later? What does that look like? Yeah, so usually it, it kind of depends on the situation. Usually it comes in a day later. Um, although our uh, processing company just um, launched a feature where you can have instant deposits. So we're looking into, we're looking into that. But I mean, like, that's a big deal to have to go from the next day to instant deposits when you're yeah. working with, with these, in these situations where it's like life or death. Um, and unfortunately, like it truly does, it's, you know, it's not, I don't, I don't know how to put this, but, but we, a lot of the people that we work with are, are like literally on, on the brink of starvation. Like they're in really bad shape and they come to our platform and we raise the money that, that's needed like instantly. Um, especially if it's like a really urgent thing, but then, uh, you know, it's just, it was too urgent of a situation and they don't make it. Like sometimes mm. that happens and unfortunately it happens mm. more than I would like to admit. Um, so these these like little updates and, and these like technological improvements that people are making all over the world they make they'll make they're they're small they're seemingly small but they make a big difference to these these people in in remote corners of the globe so um yeah i'm just excited i mean like the the future i think is just i'm really optimistic about it in terms of the impact that all of us are able to make that's i could see that that's little awesome, impact yeah. being huge yeah wow um well yeah, you, you t- mentioned t- something there oh, for sure Go for it, Vin. You have another question? No, no. I mean, I was just just looking at the site. You see some of those time-sensitive campaigns where you know a 11-month-old girl who's who's you know starving or needing you know yeah made, you know help right now. You know the, the ability for technology to change that is is incredible, and it really does a testament to what you guys are doing with with this project. Yeah, well, thank you very much. We're very, I mean, it's taken a long time to get to this place where, where we have, like it used to be that we would just have tons of, like when we launched, we had a bunch of projects and then I was on the Tom Wood show. They all got funded and then, uh, you know, we'd get more projects and then I'd be on some other show and they'd all get funded. And it's taken a long time to develop enough partnerships and to develop enough like systems to make sure that we have like uh, just a healthy ecosystem where, where there's a constant stream of these projects. And so balancing like the donor demand with the number of projects has been something we've had to learn, but I'm really, really proud of our platform right now. You did some um, crowdfunding for donor C with WeFunder. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. So can you talk a little bit about that experience and why you did that and what it enabled you guys to do that kind of thing? Yeah. So I want, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of building out healthy infrastructure. If you have healthy infrastructure, you can do a lot of really amazing, beautiful things. And so, um, this was like, let's see, this was, uh, like a year and a half ago. Um, I was talking with, um, some of my advisors and we had, someone had presented this idea of WeFunder to us. So WeFunder is a way to raise investment capital through crowdfunding. So usually if you want to invest in a company, you have to be a millionaire. Like that's actually the law. You can't invest in a company unless you're a millionaire. So what, what WeFunder has done is they've create, they've worked with the government to create a provision where, where anyone can donate up to $2,000 uh, 
uh, or invest up to $2,000 in the company, even if they're not a millionaire. Um, and so uh, what I did was uh, I, I created a WeFunder campaign for donors. See, I worked with, uh, I worked with WeFunder because they do an awesome job at um, uh, just kind of streamlining the whole like government thing. Like they made everything so I didn't have to worry about it. Um, so uh, I, po- I, you know, I was a little bit kind of hesitant. Like people have been telling me for a while, Gret, you should do this. Gret, you should do this. Lots of people would want to support you. And I was really resistant to the idea because it's kind of weird to raise investment capital for a charity that like is also trying to, you know, there's babies who are, who need formula milk and stuff. And I just, I, I wasn't, I really resisted the idea for a long time, but so many people told me I should do it. And then finally, uh, some of the folks over at WeFunder reached out to me and they're like, we really think that you would do well with this. So I launched it, I created a video and within the first two weeks we raised a hundred thousand wow. dollars. So I was just like, awesome. I was blown away by the level of support and, and just like the level of trust, like people are trusting uh, what we're doing at Donorcy, and and that's that was very evident by um, by the reaction that people had. So we were able to use that to invest in our platform and make it more robust and more trustworthy. We're able to to like for, we used to have a, a cap on um, like the size of video that people could upload, and now we're able to upload higher quality videos, and we're just able to do a lot more stuff like that that we weren't able to do before because of that uh, because of that injection. So yeah, I mean yeah. we're we're constantly working on 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 different things, and it was. It was a pleasure to work with WeFunder. Great. I did I notice it. that the video quality is great on yeah. on DonorC. Yeah, it used to not be that that way, and people kind of people were fine with it. It's you know they're like, well, it's in Africa, so I guess it's kind of charming or whatever. But you know, if if it can be good, I want it to be good. I, you know, if, if you Definitely. can get a high quality video, and we're even some of our partners now, like it used to be just like you, people are taking a video with their iPhone, but now some of our partners are like using DSLR cameras and they're adding music and cuts and all this stuff, and they're really doing a good job storytelling. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's that vortex of improvement that we've been, we've been working to get. So it's so cool to see that. Amazing. I want to kind of transition. You mentioned your podcast. You got a couple, you just released a book. Let's talk about some of the other endeavors that you got going on. Yeah. I, I would love to talk about that. So my donor seat was, is a platform that was created so that anyone who wants to get, like, if you hear about global poverty, you hear about these people who are super poor, you just want to do something, but what do you do? Oh, donor seat. I can like get involved in, so it's made as a way to remove all of the friction for people to get involved in donor seat. My book, which is called if the poor were next door was created to be one step before donor seat. So people who aren't quite aware of global poverty yet, they haven't quite uh, had their eyes open to it, which is like, most people in America, because that's, you know, no, through no fault of their own. That's just how, uh, it's just hard to know, conceptualize how other people around the world live. Um, so through no fault of their own, they don't really realize, uh, what's going on in the rest of the world. So my book was written as a, um, as a way to walk people through the, through my story. And my story is my eyes opening. So I grew up right outside DC. I lived in the second wealthiest county in America growing up. I went to a private school, my college, my private school, all that stuff was paid for. Um, I had a great corporate job, made lots of money and just was like, you know, it was just easy. Like I just had an easy situation. And then, um, I, then I decided to move. I had kind of, you know, an existential crisis. I moved to the other side of the planet and I realized, okay, I, like I saw these kids, who had nothing and I was like okay well at least there's I I don't know a lot but I know that my childhood was very different than these kids I'm looking at right in front of me um and so my eyes were open to like the the 
wealth disparity that, and, and, and just like how fortunate I was, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing that I grew up. Like, I like that I grew up as a private school kid. I like that I grew up in a, in a nice area. Right. I like that I, I was a suburban kid. I like all that stuff. It enabled me to then go to Malawi and, and do the things I've done. So I don't think any of that stuff is like a bad thing. I just, uh, the book it was, is, is a, it takes people on the, the journey that I went through of realizing, um, how my life was different than these people who live in other places around the world. And so, um, yeah, the first, I think the first line of the book is I was the poor kid at private school because when I was in high school <laughs> when I was a private school kid, a lot of my friends had like, they drove like Mercedes Benz and they drove like nice SUVs, like brand new SUVs and stuff. And so I thought like I was poor because I didn't have like a Mercedes. I wasn't driving Mercedes at 17. So, um, yeah. So anyways, I, I encourage people to check out if the poor were next door and I'm getting like tons of positive feedback. I was just before I did this podcast, I was on the phone with someone who said that they read the entire book in one sitting while they were on a wow. plane. As soon as they got home, uh, they immediately ordered 10 more copies so that they can send it out to someone. That was a phone call I just had. So there's lots of like tons of wow. positive feedback about the book. I'm really grateful with, uh, for how well that's going. Tell us a little bit about the process. Did you self publish? Um, you know, was it, I mean, obviously it's your first book. What was that whole process like? Yeah. So I did self-publish. Um, we have with our email list with donors, like this is kind of, I have a lot of friends in the publishing industry and they, and I've talked to them a lot about it. And I thought there's a, there was a few different publishers that I, I uh, had contacts with. And I thought I like explored the idea of having them publish it. Um, but I had this, I kind of got this feedback from, from my, like my good friends within the publishing industry that it's like, if you have an audience and you have a good marketing team, a publisher is not really going to add much. In fact, they might kind of detract, like the, the margins are smaller and so forth. And so um, I, we have a, a big enough email list with Donorsy that we could have easily gotten it published by an organization and, um, and, and run, uh, run everything through them. But um, our marketing team at Donorsy is so good that I thought, let me try and do this on my own. So, and, and but that way I like maintain all of the control of the content. And I yeah. still like, I still, we still had an editor. We still had proofreaders. We still had a professionally designed cover. Like, I don't know if you've seen the cover, but it's like, I have, yeah. in my opinion, it's like the most beautiful cover anyone's ever Looks designed. Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it really so, just paints a great picture just by the cover. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I like how it turned out. And, um, I even had a book launch myself. So I, I launched the book, um, let's see, it was like two Friday nights ago. And it was, I launched it from the uh, auditorium of my old private school to like kind of bring everything oh, full awesome. circle. Um, and so we had close to 150 people at the book launch. We had a book signing. Um, it's the line for the book signing took over an hour to go through. And uh, yeah, the whole process has been great. Like I've been surprised at how easy it is to self-publish. Um, I took everything kind of slow and, and stuff, but um, yeah, we're selling tons of copies and I'm just like really happy about it. So <laughs> it's been, it's been as good of a first week of a book launch as you can possibly have. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. What's the best avenue right. for people to get that if they're listening right now and they're like, Hey, I want to get a copy of this book. Is it Amazon is the best route or directly from your website? What's the best that impacts you the most? Amazon is the best route. We don't even offer it on our website. I guess we could, um, but it's just, we, we prefer everything kind of to go through the Amazon ecosystem because, you know, the better the book does on Amazon, then oh, yeah, the more the Amazon recommends it and stuff. And uh, we have an ebook and we have a, a paperback. And I think sometime this year, the audiobook will come out. So, but don't wait for the audiobook. Get the paperback and get or the ebook right. because it's, uh, and especially the paperback. I, there's a lot of, like, there's pictures in the book and there's a lot of kind of things within the paperback that you, you just get if you get the paperback. So, um, yeah, but I, either way that you want to do it is, is fine with me. Do you foresee yourself reading the audiobook? 
Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to narrate it myself. I'll have to maybe do some voice lessons or something like that, or <laughs> drink some ginger tea. I don't know, but I, I, uh, yeah, I, I do plan on doing it myself. It only takes like an hour to read if you're like a fast reader. So the audio book will probably be like two hours or hour and a half, you know, at a, an appropriate pace. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it's it's a quick book. It doesn't take long for people to read it. That's great. Um, and then you mentioned your podcast too. Tell us what's going on with your podcast, man. Yeah, the podcast is something I do mostly just, uh, so like, for example, I, it's mostly as a way to highlight the work that people in, in the donorcy community are doing. So sometimes what that means is I'll interview someone who's like a photographer for one of our partners out in the field. And so she's like, there's this girl, uh, who I interviewed Sarah King, who she's a photographer out in Tanzania and she's seen some like rough stuff. And, um, she's also photographed, like her photographs are spectacular. And so, um, I'll, I'll interview her or I'll interview like, for example, the guy from Sudan who just like, just this kid at 12 years old had to run away from armed men who were trying to kill him and his family. And then he had to do that like seven more times throughout his, his life. Um, and he, and so his, like being, and he was, he came over to my house and he sat in my living room and that's where I interviewed him. And just being able to talk to someone like that for an hour and like hear their story. Like, I don't know anyone in my, you know, in my American life who's been through anything close to that. So being able to hear uh, for like, learn from someone like that is, is a huge privilege to me. And so I'll interview people like that too. Just people have crazy stories who come from like the darkest places you can imagine. And, and not only have come from that, but who have overcome it. Like I talk, there's this guy, there's this guy that we partner with Prince and he, the school he went to like to talk about like a disparity, right? I went to private school growing up. This guy, Prince, he went to, uh, he went to a, a school where there were 200 kids in his class and there were so many kids that they couldn't fit inside the school building. So they slapped a chalkboard on the outside of the school building. And then all of the kids would like sit in a field and like raise their hand and they would be screaming and shouting over each other with the one teacher for 200 kids. And every year this guy, Prince, like outperformed all the other kids in his class year after year after year. He was eight hours from the closest hospital, the closest city, no electricity, no running, none of that stuff. There's so many obstacles working against him. Despite all odds, he uh, made it into the city, got to go to a college, like the very prestigious African Bible colleges, which is where he went in uh, Lilongwe, Malawi. And then he gets to meet me. And now he's one of our partners for Donorcy. And like, the, just the, the amount of wisdom and knowledge that these people that, that, that you have to have to overcome these enormous obstacles is so valuable. So I just, I love being able to record it and share it with people. Yeah, that sounds great. So what's the name of the podcast for people who want to go find it? Oh, it's just the Greg Glyer podcast. Very easy okay. to remember. Cool. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's on all your, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, Stitcher Google Play. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. You got your hands in so many things. Um, a couple other questions that kind of, uh, you know, I didn't ask earlier, but um, do you have any other projects kind of lined up that we want to talk about or, or in the future? Um, right now, because, you know, I mentioned at the beginning that things are going well with donorcy. So right now we're just my main focus, like at the very top of the priority list is just um, networking with more potential partners. I want to talk to more organizations and find more people who might be a good fit for us. And like I said, we do have to turn down 90%, but um, if you are able to make it onto our platform, it's a good opportunity to raise uh, to raise funds for your organization. And so, yeah, the more partners that, that we can 
meet with the better. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a big focus for us. Do you do consulting outside of your work? I could just see that. I mean, you've touched so many different nonprofits and you've, you see them come through. I could see you being a really valuable asset for people. Yeah, I actually do. It's you. I don't like advertise it and I don't uh, seek it out, but sometimes someone, you know, sometimes a, a company or an organization will come to me and will be interested in my advice or my services and, um, I'll work it out with them, but yeah, it's not something I seek out and it's not something I spend the majority of my time on. Right. Um, but it, it is a way for me to like kind of supplement what I get through Patreon and so forth. Yeah, it makes sense. That's great. Yeah. I mean, we have, a uh, since you mentioned about different partners, I mean, I'm just thinking, gosh, there's people that we've interviewed that we'd love to connect you with yeah. future guests that we'd love to connect you. With. I think, I think it's just a, a great relationship to continue to build and, and work with, of you know, just trying to make the world a better place, helping each other out. Yeah, it's it's an awesome opportunity. If if the organization is a good fit, it's like it it really is like an awesome opportunity for both of us. So um yeah, anytime you just you know, you have my email, so just send them over. Okay, yeah, we definitely will. Um how many just curiosity, how many employees do you guys have at Donor C? So me and my sister are basically the only full-time employees. Um, my sister runs like, she'll do a lot of video work. She'll do a lot of the social media and stuff like that. We, I, we're the only full-time uh I guess, non-developer employees. And then we have a couple of developers who are one who's full-time, one who's part-time. And then we have um, several part-time people who are doing small things here and there. And then we also have like a pretty big volunteer network um, who are doing some of the more routine tasks. So all in all, I would say there's um, within the, within the confines of people who are actively involved with donorcy on like within, within a monthly basis, there's probably about 10 of us to our team. Um, but yeah, I would say in terms of just full time, it's just me and my sister. It's like insanely lean for what we're doing. So, and do you guys operate out of the U S or are you in Malawi still a lot of the time? How does that? Yeah. And all out of Northern Virginia is where we operate. And, um, for the most part our our because we're partnering with people. So our partners, they have their own headquarters in different places and and so forth. Uh, So yeah, we're not actually, we're not actually like hiring the people, who are doing the underground right. work? We're partnering with organizations right, right. who are already like have been there for ten years and know the situation. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, you've been an absolute pleasure. I, I'm really uh, excited about everything that you're doing. You're helping so many people all over the world. Can you um, just kind of tell people once again where they can connect with you, where they can find your book, Donor C app, all that stuff, just so people can make sure they get it. Yeah. So everyone should check out donorc.com, make an account. I send out, I personally send out a a weekly newsletter every Sunday to everyone who's on the donorc list. So you'll want to check that out. I, 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 like, I really, I sit down myself. I personally write it every single Sunday just to keep everyone updated within the donorc community on what we're doing. Um, I'm a big, I think my book is really good. I'm getting tons of positive feedback yet. And so I would encourage people to check out if the poor were next door or just search my name on Amazon and, um, yeah, don't download the donorc app. You can find me on correct liar on twitter or instagram and then my email which i give out freely is correct at donorc.com great and then uh you got the podcast and you're doing awesome things man thank you so much for spending some time with us on my corner the universe vaden you got any final thoughts no i'm just taken back by everything that you're doing Greg. it's incredible just keep on keep on chugging along and doing what you're doing man it's great stuff really 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 excited about it thank you guys very much it was a pleasure to be here Awesome. Thanks again, Gret. If you liked today's episode, you can find more information at mycorneruniverse.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you.